2: everybody, it's Drags again, and it's Wednesday, May 20th, time for episode 351 of Patriot's Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com. Follow us as always on Twitter at Patriots C L N S. Welcoming back this week, Henry McKenna. Been a long time, Henry, covering the Patriots and the NFL for USA Today. Now he writes for the Patriots at Patriots underscore wire. That would be Patriots wire. He's also the NFL writer. For the win, uh, you can follow Henry at McKen Analysis, all one word, M-C-K-E-N-N-A-N-A-L-Y-S-I-S. How are you hanging in there, Henry?
1: I'm good. Uh, sorry to make uh, all that such a mouthful. But... Well, you know what,
2: Henry? It's important to get all of the um, social media out there since uh, social media is the only journalism that matters anymore, and I just, but only sort of, I'm joking.
1: only sort of but yeah yeah. um you know hanging in there in quarantine um and doing pretty well all things considered and i hope that our listeners um are doing well in such a difficult time as well so i appreciate them tuning in and hopefully we can do our best to brighten up days here
2: well um with that in mind what did you think of tom brady working out in tampa bay and not wearing a face mask or apparently not keeping six feet uh, separation social distance.
1: Yeah, I was a little disappointed, to be honest. The CDC still recommends that people, you know, maintain social distance at six feet, that they wear cloth masks when congregating with others. And particularly, you know, exercise sort of exacerbates our ability to project droplets out of our mouth. Um, And so Brady didn't follow the CDC recommendation when he was, or at least didn't appear to when he was working out with his new teammates in Tampa. Um, so, you know, I wish I wish he'd be setting a better example right now, and I'm, I worry a little bit that, you know, other quarterbacks around the league are going to see what Brady did and want to copy it because there's no OTAs, there's no minicamp, and Tom Brady, you know, the best, most competitive player probably in the NFL or, or up there, right? Um, is is getting an edge on his competitors, and they're not going to be happy about it. So I, I think to, to a degree it's sets an unfortunate precedent. And, um, you know, it's obviously a, a bummer of a time, and we don't want football to uh, – or we want football to happen, rather. We want normalcy, but it's just – I don't know. I, I wish Brady was maybe setting a little bit better of a well, of
2: precedent there's, there. There's a great irony here, Henry, and we both know what it is. There has not been a man who has made more of his personal health and trying to make it a second career in the National Football League than one Tom Brady. Correct. And, you know, he's even gone as far as uh, lately uh, promoting some uh, herbal substances that might he says, might help uh, strengthen your immunity uh, during the uh, coronavirus crisis that we're all going through. And it just seems very ironic that uh, amidst all of this that's going on, he would be the one not uh, practicing some of the uh, policies that have been, uh, as you mentioned, supported by the CDC.
1: Right. Totally. Uh, He's on a few occasions attempted to sell products as a as a product of this pandemic and you know he he went into a closed park to get a workout in and the the park staffers had to actually ask him to leave he ended up going to visit his offensive coordinator byron leffrich um and accidentally walked into Leftwich's uh neighbor's house <laughs> so, yes uh Brady violating sort of that stay at home morning and he just seems to different be people's houses. So.
2: Uh, there's obviously uh, some imagery here that uh, is not lost on a lot of Patriot fans and football fans. He seems lost in Tampa, literally and figuratively.
1: Yeah, I, I, well, I would argue that he's the same guy. Uh, he hasn't changed at all. It's just that he's he's in a place uh, in his career where he's got no one protecting him, sort of. Yeah, um, I, I you know, buy New that. New England media, yeah. I think New England media would always give him a, a break in terms of criticisms for the way that he's handled TB12, which, frankly, you know, has been pretty consistently... Um, it it just has sort of stretched the bounds of...
2: No uh, question about that, Henry. Yeah. I
1: mean, it's always made me uncomfortable, and I think people... They hold punches in New England because Brady's won so many Super Bowls. And now I think he's left New England. New England media uh, is less protective of, you know, their guy. And now Tampa media is sort of inheriting this guy and they don't have that same uh, attachment to him. And so there's sort of a, a freer uh, conversation about, you know, who Brady is off the field. And I think who Brady off the field is, is – a little more complicated than people have long been willing to admit. Now, I, someone who wrote 4,000 words on how Brady, in the locker room, is a terrific teammate, someone who sets an amazing sure. standard for...
2: And nobody uh, would dispute his, that, I don't think.
1: Right. But his 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 work as a businessman is certainly fraught. Um, and, you know, his business partner, Alex Guerrero, has a troubling legal history with um, his his work in... Um, selling, you know, quasi medical products. So it's, it's definitely, um, it's, it's a complicated topic to tackle.
2: Well, it's, it's fascinating to me, Henry, uh, speaking with Henry McKenna, uh, covering the Patriots for USA Today and Patriots Wire. Be sure to check him out there. Um, it, it this whole story to me is fraught with irony because, there is no question that TB12 and Alex Guerrero created tension inside the Patriots organization. Depending on what story you have read over the last five years, who you believe, who you choose to not, who you choose to believe, who you choose not to believe, um, you take bits and pieces from stories all over the map, um, probably the most accurate way to do it, but it cannot be disputed that his relationship, uh, with, with the Patriots uh, was certainly um, fraught with some tension whenever the subject of TB12 and Alex Guerrero came up. And the reason I bring this up is the Patriots went out of their way to control that situation so it would not become the distraction. The irony now is Brady doesn't have those restrictions, and you could see a situation now down uh, in Tampa with coronavirus and all of the challenges uh, with that where. TB12 and Alex Guerrero and some of the practices actually might uh, create more of a distraction for Brady.
1: Right. Yeah, he's free to be his own man, Bill Belichick, and the uh, sort of general media controlling operation. Um, and I say that not necessarily as like a pointed criticism, but just the Patriots in general have a history of um, – making you know bill, bill belichick is militant about how he controls the information that comes and goes from his organization right so no it's
2: question. worked the
1: same way around his star quarterback for the last 20 years he's he's attempted to control the narrative around brady and brady now is free of that and can do whatever he wants with his image because of uh bruce arians hands-off approach and like you're saying um you know, we'll allow people to make freer assessments about Brady's freer personality.
2: Yeah, I just think somewhere, and, and maybe I'm too skeptical, maybe I'm too cynical, Henry. People have called me cynical before. Uh, maybe Belichick, uh, and some other people in the Patriots organization are sitting in a room somewhere or having a Zoom chat kind of smirking at these stories about Brady down in Florida. Potentially, uh, breaking some coronavirus, um, guidelines and practices and, um, also spewing forth the TB12 cures and whatnot. I, I just think it, it's, there's gotta be a smile or a smirk anyway among the football ops people at Gillette.
1: Yeah. It, that may well be that they, uh, don't mind. Yeah, having to control this story.
2: You know, I'm sure it's a headache. They are like, okay, we don't look. We may not have Tom Brady back there, but we don't have to worry about that headache. It's not our problem uh, anymore. Okay, uh, speaking with. Uh, Henry McKenna, uh, he does a terrific job covering the Patriots for USA Today. Um, Henry, you and me were on a conference call on Tuesday with one of, I think, the more undervalued uh, members uh, of the Patriots roster and certainly on their defense. And I thought you brought up a great question. Uh, to one Jonathan Jones, um, slot corner uh, for the Patriots. He's done, obviously, a terrific job on special teams as well. But um, the slot corner, John Jones, you asked him, don't you think it's interesting, Jonathan, that the slot receiver, his value around the NFL in terms of getting paid, has gone up pretty significantly in the last several years? Don't you think, and correct me if I'm wrong in paraphrasing your question, don't you think slot corners should uh, see uh, equitable raise in their pay?
1: Yeah, I, I was trying to kind of point at that for John, who's in. Uh, Help him
2: out, he, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Um, but, the, you know, they don't really want to discuss money because they know they've got a report. If they're not negotiating with me. They're negotiating with Belichick. Sure. And as we said, uh, speaking to us about it, Belichick is would prefer that they didn't so it makes life more complicated for the actual negotiations but yeah um I think it's interesting to see how guys like Adam Humphreys for example last year made a lot of money and a uh, receiver like Andy Isabella out of UMass really flew up draft boards and we're talking about like diminutive slot receivers um sure who are. In, increasing in value in a big way um so i think this so i think that when we look at college tape people who can play in the slot on top of other positions are becoming more and more, more valuable so kyle duggar i would say is you know the patriots second round draft pick their top pick in the 2020 nfl draft Maybe he's a D2 prospect, but but I think what he did at the D2 level was play at all sorts of different positions in the defense, and that's valuable to the Patriots because they can move him uh, into a slot role on third down when the opponents put three receivers on the field uh, or on first down because it's so regular now for three receivers to be on the field. It's, in fact, it's like it's not even worth – it almost sounds silly for us to even note that because
2: right. it's it's a sort of a given. It's very common.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting to, to see how the game is evolving, and I was just curious to see sort of what John thinks about the evolving uh, financial market around that position and the evolving schematic impact that that's, that that's happening.
2: I actually thought he had a, a pretty well thought out – um, answer to that and you know I don't think he you know sidestepped it too much um, certainly I think that he feels that he's going to get paid if he just keeps on playing inside the system one thing he did mention though uh, he's been here what this is entering his fifth season it's hard to believe he's been there that long
1: yeah well his first season was he, he's just been a special teams stand out for so long Um that it's kind of easy to forget about his contributions in that respect um, because he's been buried on the depth chart um, in and out of the the slot spot. Um, and so we haven't seen him take like a huge role on defense um, because even last year, um, he, you know, he's gotten work against guys like Tyreek Hill. And so he'll get like big praise obviously in those weeks, but when he's buried behind three of the best man coverage cornerbacks in the league, John Joe, or sorry, JC Jackson, right. Jason McCourty, and Stefan Gilmore. It's like the Patriots had a hard time getting him snaps, even though he's a really good slot cornerback who has turned his physical gifts, which is why he, he was so good on special teams. He's turned that into good technique and um, into good coverage ability. So, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he's played. Look, I mean, I am I'm, I'm pulled a pro football reference. He's played. He's missed just one game That's in the regular season impressive. in his four year career. And um, so it's it's uh, he's he's definitely been an under the radar contributor for many years. Wow. Under, underrated player around the league.
2: Well, Belichick is not going to pay anybody and never has for performance in the past. He does pay for reliability and projected performance in the future. And if you've shown Belichick and the coaching staff that you can stay on the field, I think that's a big part of, uh, you know, eventually Jonathan Jones getting a pay bump. Um, obviously, Jonathan Jones played at Auburn University And that just so happens to be the same school that obviously produced uh, your projected number one starting QB for the Patriots, Jarrett Stidham. And it was interesting, and I know you noted this on uh, Twitter, Henry, uh, As far this was the quote from John Jones on on Jarrett Stidham, as far as Jarrett as a rookie, as for everyone, it's a lot coming at you. I think that whole group of offensive rookies did a good job of developing throughout the year, and this year is going to be big for them going into year two, end of quote. In other words, he wasn't about to touch um, whether or not they think that uh, the expectations on Jarrett Stidham are reasonable or earned at this point.
1: Yeah, it's it's a tough position for John, who basically noted how well he hand, handles the media in accordance with Belichick's law. He 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 got asked about the schedule, and he was like. I forget the quote exactly, but he was like, I... I got
2: it right here. You. Yes. Yeah. I done. guess I'm conditioned by Bill. I've been going on yeah. five years now. I'm conditioned yep. to just know every year is a new year. Every team is a new team. Everybody has changes in their winning percentages from last year. Kind of don't matter. Well, right. that is right out of the Bill Belichick uh, handbook on handling yeah. media 101.
1: Yeah. And so the, I'm kind of conditioned by Bill... Uh, Quote showed up in his answer About Jarrett where Bill Has a habit of especially with Young (laughs) players saying You ask a question about a rookie And Bill says oh well that whole rookie Class has a long way to go and so It's this way of deflecting A very specific question into A very broad answer that we As media members cannot use and Cannot write with or about Um, So I think John did An expert job at, at answering it In the same way uh, but uh, to a sort of more substantive place, the um, the person who's actually been pretty outspoken about uh, Jarrett is like Devin McCourty. Yes. There have been a few others who have gone on the record and, and, and brought sort of the big praise um, that has kind of gotten some buzz going about Jarrett. Um, another person who's talked about it actually – and I don't know if this is more like Cliff Kingsbury – who's the head coach for the Cardinals. I don't know if he was more like pretending to be in the know about the situation, or he just is in the know, but he said that the Patriots are really high on Stidham. Um, and he was discussing and, and Cliff Kingsbury had actually recruited Stidham um, to come to Texas tech. And Stidham had ultimately gone to Baylor before transferring to Auburn. And, Uh, Kingsbury was talking about how natural a thrower Stidham is, how he is a hard worker, a student of the game, the IQ. It's basically all those cliches you want to hear about a quarterback prospect. The thing with Stidham, and it's why we're having this discussion, is that we don't actually know what his prospects have become. Um, Patriots reporters don't get to see him on the practice field. The only thing we have seen is fewer than five throws in a regular season game where he threw a pick six and was pulled from the game. Um, and then obviously a pretty successful preseason. Um, So it's it's just so fascinating to to await what may or may not be an open training camp and what may or may not be an open competition at the quarterback position.
2: What's interesting to me about that is uh, in talking with a couple of Patriots about how Stidham handled that in the weeks after getting pulled against the Jets after throwing the pick six, it was business as usual. Just go back to work the next week, and he seemed to not be phased by it at all in practices. And that, to me, is a huge sign that they think the Patriots believe that Stidham is ready to make that take that jump. Like one bad game or one bad throw isn't going to affect the preparation the next week. The other thing about your Devin McCourty uh, comment, and I've brought this up on on other podcasts uh, prior to this one, this week with you, is that. The thing that McCourty has said is some of our best defensive performances came following a week of Jarrett running a really good scout team quarterback performance. And to me, that shows that Stidham has done his homework and has helped prepare the defense the way they needed to be prepared.
1: Right. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I think back to Stidham's conference call, when the Patriots drafted him and he hadn't been, uh, it's come up so many times, but conditioned by Bill to quote John Jones. Uh, and Stidham was speaking very freely about his meeting with me, uh, with the Patriots and, you know, maybe how he felt like he had impressed them. And he was talking about how the interview was like many, many hours long. And they, they brought him in and subjected him to a very rigorous process. And he felt like he did well and he must have if the Patriots were going to draft him to be a backup and and ultimately gave him the backup job last year in his rookie season. So I think there's no question about his intellect, about his hard work. The question I think still is, you know, there have been so many intellectually gifted quarterbacks and so many physically gifted quarterbacks, whether they can – whether you know when the pass rush is bearing down on them, or the defense is creating a disguised coverage, whether they can actually recognize it on the field, and and again, it just builds so much intrigue for this uh, training camp, this preseason, this regular season. You know, hopefully, it all happens safely. It all happens at all, but um, it, it there's you know there was always going to be a degree of mystery of what comes next after Brady. But the character of Jared Stidham, that I mean, there's just like no shortage of mystery about him in terms of, of what uh, we can expect that's, next at quarterback.
2: That's really why I want one. One of the big, big reasons I want. To see an NFL season this year is to see how the Patriots transition from Tom Brady and if Jared Stidham's the guy. I mean, it's a storyline that it's going to write itself week after week after week this year, but hopefully we have a season to talk about welcoming or uh, talking with uh, Henry McKenna covering the Patriots and the NFL for USA Today. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. NASCAR is back and betonline has hundreds of games, events and sports to still get in on you can bet on simulated NFL NBA and UFC or you can even participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter for free and coming up next Sunday bet online has ex-Chicago Bulls Horace Grant Bill Cartwright and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they call the After the dance, visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. Bet online, your online wagering solution. Back with Henry McKenna covering the Patriots for, and the NFL for USA today. All right. Uh, you've, I had a, guess had a chance to check out the schedule. The games that stick out to me. Uh, are the two Super Bowl teams, uh, Kansas City and San Francisco, San Francisco, of course, being at home, and the road trip to L.A. later in the year. What about you?
1: Yep. Um, I think that L.A. road trip is interesting, although I would not be surprised if by the end of the season those two teams are not good. (laughs) Um, The NFC West is just so so challenging, and I think the Cardinals are on the way up. I think the Seahawks and the 49ers are not going to give up ground, and I think the Rams may very well end up being um, too top-heavy of a team where all their money is going into their best players, or in the case of Goff, yeah. a very average one. And
2: um, I agree so, with but that. we'll
1: see. So LA, the L.A. road trip may actually prove a little easier than people think. Um, but, yeah, uh, that Seahawks game that I think is week two – And the Chiefs game week four, the 49ers game week six, I mean that the the Texans game, I mean the Ravens game, like really, like this this schedule is absurd. I think you know if people had followed the schedule release, they probably know already that the Patriots were viewed as having the worst or one of the worst schedules in the NFL. And, um, so every week looks like an interesting week and people were sort of surprised. Why did the Patriots get five primetime games after Brady left? Well, like you said, you know, everybody's going to be interested in what happens next with Jared, Jared Stidham or whoever is at quarterback in new England. And I think, you know, putting them on prime time, Bill Belichick versus whoever, um, uh, is at quarterback in the other, uh, at the opposing team, it's, it's going to be pretty interesting, you know, even without Tom Brady, especially because of the quality of this schedule. So I think my, I'm going to go back to the, the chiefs game and the Ravens game as my two most uh interesting games, because the chiefs, obviously when you get to watch Patrick Mahomes, it's uh special, right? I mean, he has already proven to be a generational talent, um, Winning the MVP one year and a Super Bowl to the next in his only two years as the start. It's just ridiculous. And I really then,
2: think, Henry, that had um, D Ford not jumped offside, we'd be talking about the Chiefs going for a three-peat, a legit chance at a three-peat.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: Because I think, the I think they would have beaten, beaten the Rams. Rams. I do.
1: Yeah, totally. And maybe even more handily than the Patriots, but who was sort of committed to playing that field position game in a way that I don't think Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes would have been willing to do. Um but yeah, and then the Ravens game, I mean, the way that Lamar Jackson just handed it to the Patriots last year was ridiculous. Uh, I don't think anyone or I, or I don't think many people saw that coming because the Patriots defense came into that week being so statistically impressive. We were talking about are they one of the best defenses ever? Right, and then all of a sudden, Lamar Jackson provides that sobering stat line of um, just an absurd game that the Patriots could, could not keep pace, and their offense all of a sudden looked the Patriots. That is offense looked almost simplistic, uh, and it was it was sort of the death knell for the season. I think
2: that um, was the game, if I recall correctly. They went uh, eleven package the whole game and didn't get out of it. Correct? Remember uh, that? Their- yeah. That was the whole conversation after the game. Is the Patriots stayed in that um, eleven look and didn't come out of it the entire game? It was, and there were very, very few, uh, there were really hardly any offensive substitutions to speak of in that game. If if that's the game I'm recalling, I think it was down in Baltimore. Yeah, it
1: was. Yeah, and I think Houston because Baltimore showed the simplisticness of the Patriots' offense, Houston. Really cracked the code on New England. Um, three weeks later, yeah, in week on the 13, Sunday night game. Yes, yep, and that was another sort of embarrassing one. And I think, again, we you know you the game the season ended on a on what was a very tight game um, against the Titans, and the Titans proved better than we thought they were. But but um, yeah, you could have you can look back at that Baltimore film and you can see that the Patriots were not going to be a Super Bowl team unless they evolved and they didn't. So,
2: Yeah, I also think uh, one thing the draft showed in taking defensive picks with their first three picks, uh, the Patriots were concerned that their defense was getting old fast. And it yeah. really showed itself in the Miami game at home last week of the year. And, you, you know, you have a four-point lead at home to protect against Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins. Devontae Parker or no Devontae Parker, you've got to be able to hold that lead. And the Dolphins went right up the field in whatever it was, 95, 100 seconds, and just made mincemeat out of the Patriots' defense. That's why Josh Uche, Anthony Jennings, and uh, Kyle Duggar were the names taken uh, by the Patriots, uh, you know, in not in that order. Of course, Duggar went first in the second round, but... Um, you know, those are the three names that stick out to me in terms of what the Patriots were really concerned about heading into the draft.
1: Right, I agree. Um, I think that the the draft told us a few things about what the Patriots intend to do next season, and that's to get faster and younger on the edge on defense and um, in the back end. I think, yeah, and then I think uh, the you know what followed was were, was that two that pair of tight end draft selections. Two tight ends that can actually block, which is a rarity, um, and so I think that we have oh two guards. Um, I, I think that what we'll see on on offense is an evolution, you know, to even greater emphasis of the running game. You know, Sony Michelle, Damian Harris have been high draft picks over the last few years. Isaiah Wynn, um, definitely a pass protector, but also a really good run run blocker. So you can see. Like you're saying, Bill Belichick will signal what he's thinking about um his team with what he invests his draft assets in, like how he wants to shape the team going forward. And so you're right, there there are some pretty clear clues um, as to what you know Bill's thinking about his offense and defense, particularly this year.
2: Chatting up Henry McKenna covering the Patriots and the NFL for USA Today. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at McKen Analysis. All one word, no spaces, no underscores, nothing like that at McKen Analysis.
0: As I told you on Twitter, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss in this awaken 180. My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. Just listen to the success stories. My boy, Kyle Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105, and that's not it. Scott Zolak, Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, Dr. Laura Carmen and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken, receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also access 1,000 recipes and tools. You'll need dantric weight loss from the company who has revolutionized the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com.
2: All right. I wanted to ask you, uh, really quickly, uh, sticking to the offensive side of the ball and in a conversation, um, or, you know, a, a note that you made about what Herman Edwards cautioned about Nikhil Harry coming out of Arizona State.
1: Yeah. So I, I just got off the phone with. Herm Edwards, the ASU coach, and he coached Nikhil Harry, the first-round draft pick of 2019 for the Patriots, a guy who who had a rough rookie season. Uh, He spent the first half of the season on injured reserve, came back, and honestly didn't really look like he was ready for the NFL level. And I had written a big feature about Nikhil when he first got drafted to the Patriots, but... One thing that in the sort of like amid the effusive praise that I kept hearing about Nikhil, there was one sort of word of caution from Herm Edwards who said, you know, pump the brakes on expectations for him for 2019. He's going to be a good pro. It's just not going to come together right away. And I think Herm knew a few things. And what he what he told me on the call now was that he, know, he knows the Patriots offense well enough to know that it was – a pretty sizable step up, um, from what Herm was running at ASU. So there was a, there was a whole level of basically football academia that Harry had to step into. Right. Um, or you're, you know, you're graduating from college and you're getting your first job quite literally, you know, obviously we can relate to some degree and, and Nikhil is quite literally living that and you get, you know, your first real professional, um, task which is learn the playbook uh and it proved i think a little bit too big for him um but it's something that i think he'll he'll learn um and we saw that from a separation standpoint where you know he wasn't really getting as open as he should have and in college he had similar problems but it looked like it got worse in the pros um and so i think with the year coming up he'll probably have increased rapport with stidham a guy who who actually has the locker next to Nikhil? They, they were in lockers next to each other for all of their rookie season. Um, so, having them build that rapport where Stidham trusts Nikhil, who has a ridiculous catch radius, even if he doesn't have the best separation skills, um, will help. And uh, what else did Herm say? I think Herb, I mean, Herm emphasized that with this increased pressure, Nikhil is probably thriving. And I think the Patriots. And Patriots fans expect big things from him next year. The Patriots didn't draft a receiver this year. They they kind of counted their second round draft pick, which they traded to the Falcons for Mohamed Sanu. That was kind of like their investment in the position for the 2020 draft. So there's Sanu, there's Edelman, there's Harry, and there are a number of other guys who are coming into the position or are returning like Jacoby Myers. Um, but I think Nikhil is a you know if if you're looking at a second round pick he should be a starter by the second year so I think expectations are big for him and Edwards says you know when expectations are high for Nikhil he thrives and so I think as the Patriots begin to demand more of him he will uh, begin to kick it up a notch now he's got a long way to go from his rookie year when he had just about a hundred yards that's really not a great turnout um, but maybe uh just maybe he can he can put together you know a more promising season a season that speaks to his draft status and you know the potential that we saw um on his college film
2: did Bra- uh, did uh, herm say anything about the brady effect and whether or not <laughs> trying to live up to all of those expectations that you detailed very articulately henry um can only be amplified when you're trying to do it with the Michael Jordan of his day and Tom Brady. Yeah,
1: I think it's it's such a complicated thing to weigh out, right? Because Brady makes it hard on his rookie receivers um, because he demands so much of them. And so I think they find it, you know, pretty mentally demanding to keep up with, you know, they say in the New England offense that you have to be, reading a defense at the same level as Tom Brady, right? So you have to be reading Tom Brady's mind. And if he's the greatest quarterback of all time and he is uh, one of the quickest, sharpest minds in the game, then you too as a receiver have to be that, right? So if you're a rookie, you basically have no hope of it.
2: So so, uh, not to interrupt you, Henry, but here's the problem I have with that. If you're going to draft a guy like that, and make him a first round pick you have to know going into into the season that p- expecting him to be any sort of t- any type of production out of him is almost a wash in year 1 knowing that He's not going to be able to do that. He's not going to be able to read the defense like Tom Brady. He's not going to be able to read the defense like Julian Edelman or Danny Amendola, any other veteran or Rob Gronkowski, anybody else who's come through this offense and had years and years and years to really build up their experience and their um, instincts is really what we're talking about. Uh, And to try and align them with Tom Brady, that's just unrealistic to me.
1: Well, and maybe that's how he ended up on IR for the first eight weeks because it was uh, an ankle injury, right? So then it happened yes um, early in preseason. And unless – I mean – Again, it just strikes me as a potential case of Foxborough flu. Where I mean, an I, injury
2: Yeah, but that—that that, 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 I think the ankle injury was legitimate. Did he, the question you really ask is, did he really need that long to rehab, or did they turn a legitimate ankle injury into well, let's get just give him extra time to heal? You, well, you follow where he I'm took going. Took an extra
1: week, right? They activated him to the 53. That's man, right. But didn't they did yes. him to the game day. So I think that speaks to the fact that they knew he wasn't ready. And he, he, so they gave him an, a whole another week after, after uh, giving him eight game. So he's he, I mean it. I have made fun of Belichick for saying, you know, they've got a long leg to go, but that is the truth. Uh, it really is with Nikhil, where um, he was, he is such a promising player, and he's still a promising player. Just because one season in the NFL was unproductive doesn't mean he can't be good. It's just that. He didn't, he needs to, he needs to keep progressing. He needs to, um, come a significant way as a route runner, as a sort of brain on the field. Um, and so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, he should honestly, I mean, he should see no shortage of targets. And sorry to get back to what you were saying about Stidham. It's like, okay, Brady demands a lot of his receivers and sometimes that's so demanding that it, it lowers their level of production. But Brady's also the greatest quarterback of all time who has a reputation for elevating the play of the people around him. So I think it goes hand in hand. I don't think that, like, go, moving to Stidham is going to suddenly unlock Harry's potential because they're both young and in the same place learning the offense. Right? But it might like, if
2: it takes off some of the pressure. That's That's the only thing I'm saying is that I don't know – just by watching him, watching his tape uh, at Arizona State, and maybe Herm Edwards certainly would be a better guy to answer this. How much of his production was the result of instinct uh, in tight spaces in the red zone, which is what we heard a lot of uh, last year in terms of where um, Nikhil Harry could really help the Patriots, and how much of it was technique?
1: Yeah, I think I think there is a, um, a degree where at ASU he was designed they had I think they had like twenty plays a game that were designed to get Nikhil the ball. So that the Patriots weren't doing that for Harry in twenty 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 nineteen. He I don't think his technique was where it needed to be. I think he he got bogged down by press coverage. It was something he hadn't seen in college and he didn't know how to beat it in the pros. And so he was rendered ineffective on most plays where he was getting press coverage, which was most plays because again they knew that they could render him largely ineffective so the patriots had to design plays to get the ball in his hands because they were having trouble getting him the ball in tom brady's natural progression because harry was having trouble being in the right place at the right time that'll change i think um this year for for harry i think he'll get more comfortable in the offense i think physically he's he spent the off season working on footwork on hand technique um And I think that will help enormously with press. And um, I think uh, he'll work maybe more in the slot this year, Hmm. which might end up suiting him um, a little bit more than that outside work.
2: Where uh, can the audience uh, read your work uh, on Nikhil Harry and your interview with uh, one Herm Edwards?
1: That'll be up on Patriots Wire. I think it'll probably run on, like, Thursday Thursday. Um, I still have to type it up and, and work on it, and I might add, uh, might do a few more interviews, so we'll see
2: how, that, how quickly it comes together. Well, I will certainly look forward to reading it, Henry. I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Patriots Beat. Henry McKenna has been our special guest here on Patriots Beat, episode 351. He's Patriots Beat writer for, as he just mentioned, Patriots Wire. You can follow that site on Twitter, at Patriots underscore wire. I want to also recommend uh, you follow Henry's work at For the Win, and that's all one word, and uh Henry himself has a terrific Twitter page and that is at McKenAnalysis M-C-K-E-N-N-A-N-A-L-Y-S-I-S at McKenna Analysis. Want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific guest Henry McKenna. Also, want to thank our great sponsors, Awaken One Hundred and Eighty and Bet Online. For producer Mike Longi and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. This is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriot Speed Podcast, powered by CLNS Media.